Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone, everyone online who's uh, involved with this, everyone that's in the auditorium here. It is great to see you. Today is New Series Day. I always like New Series Day. We're starting this one called The Blessed Life, and the title of my talk this morning is It's All About the Heart. And that's where we're going to go. But just to be very clear, this series comes from uh, Robert Morris, who is a pastor in the United States in Gateway Church. That church there, Gateway Church, is known globally for being the most generous church. They have an anointing in that. I think we do too. Um, but they, they really do understand this. And there's a book that goes with it called The Blessed Life, Unlocking the Rewards of Generous Living. You can get it online or you can get it here if you're in the auditorium today. I'd really recommend this. It will help you. You can get it at reception afterwards. Uh, who's intending to buy this later but would like one now? There we go. Anna, if you could just give eight pounds uh, to the uh, uh, reception, then you can do that and have it uh, there later. Do, do avail yourself of that. It will help you. Next week, we have a guest speaker, Tom Lane. Tom Lane is was the executive pastor at Gateway, and it really is a privilege to be able to get him to be able to speak to us next week. So make sure you're here. Don't miss Tom. He really has a great story to tell, and he'll be taking the session next week. Now, this series, now listen to me, this series is primarily about how we individually handle money and finances that God has entrusted to us. And I want to tell you why we're doing this series. The reason we are doing this series is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our bottom reason, bottom line reason, top line reason, middle line reason, every reason of everything we do. It's our raison d'etre, why we exist as a church and as a community is to make disciples. And if I can be very upfront with you, is that okay? I meet too many shallow, infantile, immature Christians. It really annoys me. And one of the reasons I have to deal with it, but one of the reasons that the church is producing such is because we're afraid sometimes to address issues that Jesus was never afraid to address. And I can't back off from this. Listen to this. These are just some statistics from the Bible. Trivial pursuits, if you like. 15% of everything Jesus ever taught was on the topic of money and possessions. 15%. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288, and I've got a book at home which lists every single one of them, deal directly with the subject of money. There are 500 Bible verses on faith, there are 500 Bible verses on prayer, but there are 2,350 Bible verses on money. Why is that? It's because God knows that our attitude towards money is an indication of where our heart is with God. It really is. We'll either run after gold or we'll run after God, but you can't run after both. We run after God. It'll either be your wallet that you turn to when you're in hard times, or rather it'll be your source of security, which is ultimately in God. 
Money is meant to be a resource. It's not our source. It's not about everything we do. And I meet with pastors all the time. Honestly, I do. And they say to me, oh, we'll never address that subject with the church. They're scared. And they say this to me. I'm afraid, they say, that people will think I'm after their money. That's what they say to me. We won't address it because we're afraid people will think we're after their money. Well, I'm not prepared to fear you more than I fear God. Hello? I'm just not. So I refuse to be intimidated by that. And I know it's an English thing, but my allegiance is first to the kingdom of God, not to being British. So I refuse to fear you more than I fear God. So I must address this because I won't, I won't take the responsibility seriously of making disciples if I don't. I, have you got that? Turn to one another and say, I think Steve is serious about this. And I want to say this to you as well as we start the series. It's the same thing. It's not that we're looking for something from you. It's that we're looking for something for you. And the for you is not even the corresponding blessing that can come as we handle finances right. That's not really, that's not the main reason for doing this. The thing we want for you is to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Because that's what I want for me. And that's what I want for all of you. This is what it says in Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that for those who God loves, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And then it states his purpose. His purpose is not that you would get rich. That's too small a reason to live. His purpose is this. He also, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's the will of God for us, to be transformed to the image of his son. And our heart, because we know you can't serve two masters, is either you'll hate one and love the other, and our heart is to help you be devoted to Jesus Christ, to be a God lover, to be a chaser of God, to be fully committed in everything we do. So I also want to point out the title of this series is not that it's a blessed wallet or a blessed purse or a blessed bank balance. It's a blessed life. So this series, and you should never be about this when you talk about money, this series, although we're going to talk a lot about money, is not about you and I giving to get. I'm going to state it really clearly. The quotes, prosperity gospel is no gospel at all. It's not what God teaches that we give to get. That may be a consequence somewhere along the line, but it should never be our motivation. For the moment we've made that motivation, we've put it the wrong way around. It's about living according to God's design, which always results in blessing. But the ultimate blessing is transformed to the likeness of Christ. Did I hear an amen from the front to the back? That is my introduction. So now I'll go into what I want to share today. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 7. Let's read it out loud. I think it's going to come on the screen behind me if it's working. This is Matthew 7, verses 1 to 2. Yeah, let's read it out loud. Ready? Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, 
will be measured to you. Often, that verse, especially that last part, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Often you'll hear in offerings or in um, preachers, they use that about money. I just want to point out to you, money is not even mentioned there. No mention of money, is there? The issue is judging. The context is judgment. It says, with the same judgment, if you, for the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. So if you judge someone, the same judgments will come back towards you. Hello? Sidebar. Be careful how you judge. Okay to judge if you're happy for that judgment to come back on you. But if you don't want that judgment to come back on you, stop judging. That's what it says. So just look at those the two parts to it at the, at the end. First part, it says this. Judge not and you will not be judged. Then it says at the end, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then let's go to the parallel passage, which is in Luke, and it says the same thing again, but it expands it. So this is Luke chapter 6. Judge not and you will not be judged. Recognize that? That's what we just read. Committed to short-term memory. Then it goes on. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use, it, everyone say it, will be measured back to you. Same language. Same language. Judge not, and the measure you use, it will be measured. But this time, Luke expands what the it might be. Yes, it's about judgment, but it's also about condemnation. So if you give condemnation, guess what you receive back? Condemnation. If you give forgiveness, get what, guess what you'll get? Forgiveness. So as you give, so you receive. And then he uses this word, which encompasses everything. Give and it will be given to you. Just want to point out again, the word money does not appear in that verse at all. But I think it's perfectly acceptable to talk about money if money is it. We don't know what the it is. The it covers everything. Remember when we were kids, any of you remember playing this? You'd, you'd run around the room and say, you're Go on, turn to the person next to you, tap them on the shoulder and say, you're it. <laughs> now, do you notice... <laughs> Do you notice what you did? Assume those of you that know how to play the game properly. What you did was, they said to you, you're it, and you immediately gave it back to them. I saw you doing that in the front row here. I saw Paul and Ian doing that over there. You were going, it, 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 it. Why? Because when you give it, it's meant to be given back. It, 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 it. So as you give it, whatever the it is, so it comes back to you somewhere. It's more than a game. Because it's meant to be shared and it's meant to come back to you. Give forgiveness, it will be given to you. Give condemnation, it will be given to you. Robert Morris, who I said, the author of this book, buy the book, it'll change your life. Robert Morris was asked in an interview, so how often do you speak on giving? And this is what he said. Every week. Every week. And I know what he means. You can't get up here and preach unless you preach about giving. Now, then he said to the interviewer, is that what you meant? Or did you mean, how often do I speak about giving money? He said, because I speak about giving money maybe once a year. 
But if I'm speaking on God's grace, guess what? I have to talk about giving. Because grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, the old acronym we used to use. It's God has given in his grace. If I were going to preach a salvation message, I can't help but speak to you about giving because God so loved the world that he gave. If we're going to do a series on marriage, guess what? When we talk about marriage, we can't help but talk about giving because unless there's a lot of giving in marriage, you won't have a good marriage. It doesn't matter what subject we speak about, when we come back to it, we will be speaking about giving. Every area of life. If we speak about worship, Guess what? We can't talk about worship without talking about giving. The very first time it's mentioned in the Bible is in the context of sacrifice. So when we come and worship, we give of our praise and our adoration and our voice and our bodies and our mind and our souls. We're giving. You can't every single week. What are you speaking on this week, Steve? Giving. We speak on it every week. Giving. Because ultimately, it's not about stuff. Or even time, treasure, and talent. It's about everything that flows from the heart. It's about the heart. This is what Jesus said, Luke 12, 34. This has become a light verse for me. It says this, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Note, your heart follows where you put your treasure. Your heart follows where you put your treasure. And I just want to tell you this. God doesn't need your treasure, your money. He hasn't run out of gold for the pavements of heaven. The electric bill has not gone off in heaven and he's thinking, how am I going to make ends meet? He hasn't run out of the cattle on a thousand hills and he needs to buy some more from somewhere else. He's not run out of resources. We don't give because God wants your money. We give because God wants your heart. Hello? And you see when people say, God want, uh, people, the church wants your money, we don't. God does. God wants it. Why? He doesn't need it. He wants it because he knows it's inextricably linked to your heart. And you can't give your heart unless you give your resources. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also, a pastor friend of mine, and if I said his name, you'd know him, he asked me a few years ago, he said, Steve, uh, how is your pension going? And I said, well, do, do you want the honest truth? Named him. The answer is, it's going awfully. I need to work till I'm about 176, <laughs> and then I might do Okay. And he said, have you put it in a sip? Now, I was a little bit ignorant, and I said, what's a sip? He said his name. I'm finding it hard not to say his name. He said, a self-invested pension plan. And then he said, look, this is what I do. And he showed me all that he did, and he said, most people are getting this return on their pensions, but this year, this is what I got. You need to do that, Steve. He said, and then he added, this is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just, you know, if you want to do better, this is what I've done. He said, I'll help you. So I took my money out of the different things I'd put it in, and I put it into a self-invested pension pot. And then I got this app with Hargreaves and Lansdowne, and looking at Dan on the front row, is that right? And I could watch where my investments had gone. First time I'd done this. And then I'd see sometimes it goes through the floor, and I'd ring my friend, and I'd say, what should I do? I bought some stocks and shares in this, and it's gone like that, should I say? He said, 
just be patient. And then others would spike and I'd ring him and say, should I buy some of these? And he'd say, just be patient because they're going to come down again. And, he said, and then sometimes he'd ring me and say, oh, you need to buy this. And You know what I found? A lot of my time was on this Hargreaves and Lansdowne app. And it was driving me mad. I was watching everything go up, down, up, down, up, down. And my, I was getting anxious. I was getting thought, should, should we buy, 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 sell, sell, sell? What should we do? So this is what I decided to do. I deleted it, and I rang someone who was in business in this arena. I said, I want you to do this for me. I'll pay a fee. Make it as short, small as you can, because God will bless you if you bless me. <laughs> small as you can. In fact, do it for free. But no, 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 we didn't get that far. And I gave it to someone who I trust. Not looked at it since. Once a year, I look at it when this person comes round for a coffee. And I don't need to wait till 176 now. I'm down to 174. So, <laughs> woo! God is good. You know what was happening? My heart was going where my treasure was. And I didn't have a clue, and I didn't want to have a clue because I've got other things to do. I needed to trust someone else. But my heart was going where my treasure is. If you want your heart in the kingdom of God, put your treasure in it. It's a universal law. Give and it shall be given. You can apply it in all kinds of areas of life. Robert Morris tells a story where a lady came into his office and she had some young children and she, they, they came with her but he gave them to his secretary who was outside and the woman, they left the door open and the, the, the children were playing outside and the woman said to him, Pastor, my kids are so aggressive and they're shouting all the time. At which point the children were playing up in the back office and she turned around, this is the story he tells, and she shouts at them, will you please behave? And he looked at her and said, give and it shall be given unto you. They were just doing monkey see, monkey do. They were just doing what they saw done. It applies in so many areas of life. So let's just go through this chapter or some verses here in Deuteronomy. And I want to talk about how we can develop soft hearts and generous hearts towards finance and giving. This is Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're going to just read from verse 6 and 9. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel, to his people. These verses still apply in many ways to us today. Deuteronomy 15, 6 to 9. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, because he's a God of blessing. You'll lend, <coughs> you will lend to many nations, but you'll borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year of jubilee, the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you'll be found guilty of sin. Here's the first thing I want to say to us. We have to deal with a selfish heart. This goes like this. When a brother comes to you and they're in need, so the crops have failed, they haven't got an income, 
They're in need. They come to you and ask for a loan. What God warns them against is this. Don't think in your heart selfishly, uh-oh, next year's Jubilee. Now, Jubilee was every seven years when everyone's debts were cancelled. How many think we should reinstigate that? <laughs> every seven years, it, the debts were cancelled. And so, the, let's say it's six years, six months. And the poor guy comes and helps with his brother. Say, could you give me help? Because my crops have failed. And the guy goes like this in his mind, who he's asking the loan of. Uh-oh. If I give it him now, I don't think he's going to be able to pay me next year. And then the debt will be cancelled. And so selfishness grips his heart. And he thinks, I'm not going to get a return on my investments. And this is what God calls it. It's a wicked thought. Selfishness is wicked. Selfishness is sin. God is saying to the Israelites, I gave to you freely, so I want you to give freely. He created us to be like Him. Giving more than any other activity on the face of God's earth, hear me in this, deals with this selfish heart and greed in our lives. Which is why so much of that teaching that you hear, giving you'll get, is wrong. Do you think if we teach giving you'll get, and then we get this revelation, God's in heaven saying, wonderful, my people have got this revelation about getting. He doesn't want us to have a revelation about getting. It's about giving. It's giving. It's part of the original temptation to try and take for our own needs and not think of the needs of others. Deal with the selfish heart. Don't think, oh, I'm not going to get a return. I have um, a library. I showed you my library, a home. And I love books. And as I'm preparing this, I felt God speak to me. Because a guy in the church here, Nick, is doing WTC, West, Westminster Theological Center. And he came and asked me, he said, have you got any books on Ruth? And what went through my mind was, yes, thank you. I do have some books on Ruth. <laughs> and then I thought, well, I always think, but I'm not lending them to you. Now, that wasn't specific to Nick. That's anyone who asked me to borrow a book. Because I have this unnatural fear sometimes that if I'm preparing to preach and I need a, a quote or something, I, I know which book it's in, and if I've given it away... I might not know what it is, or, and this happens all the time, I give it away, and I never see it again. I've got some of your books that happen to you as well. <laughs> and I love my books. And I'm thinking, I'm, doing, I'm preparing for this series, dealing with a selfish heart, and I'm thinking, yes, thank you, but I'm not going to give it to you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, will you please grow up? You might never get it back, but give it away. So I'm here to announce to you, I've given my books to Nick. Nick is here as my witness. Nick, if I never see them again, it's okay. God is your judge. <laughs> and if any of you want to borrow any of my books, I'm a new man. <laughs> There's a fee overdue books if they're out for more than two weeks. But other than that, why? Because they're not my books, are they? Deal with the selfish heart. What about this one, verse 10? Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Or one version says, a grieving heart. 
Then because of this, the Lord will bless you in all your work and everything you put your heart to. It's my point number two. Deal with a grieving heart. You see, selfishness attacks us before we give, but grief attacks us after we give. This is my area of temptation, and you're all going to relate to this. When you've given money or a large amount, how many of you days later or weeks later have had something break down, and the first thought you've had after you something breaks down is, if I hadn't given that money, I could have done that. Come to the front now and let's pray in Jesus' name. <laughs> Do you know what that is? It's a grieving heart. We, we have a commitment monthly. We've been double tithing now, Angie and I, for six years. We give it into here because we believe in the vision. I'm not asking you to do anything we don't do. We also have set an amount when we give twice yearly to the vision offering that comes up. And we haven't moved. We've actually increased that a little bit. But last time we gave, I gave to the vision offering. We gave to the vision offering. Got in my car. And it was a weird noise. And I thought, that's a strange noise. And I turned the aircon off and it went off and put it back on again. So I diagnosed it myself. I'll take it into the garage. They quoted, I took it in and said, could you do a safety check? So they did a safety check and they told me I had three tires that were just on the edge. So they were legal, but just on the edge. And of course, they're recommending you change them. And the air conditioning was going to cost a lot of money. My first thought was, if I hadn't given that money to the vision offering, I could have paid for that. Because honestly, I couldn't pay for it with what I had because I'd given it away. And this grief, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What did I do? Well, I had to wait until I could afford the tires and do it one at a time. And I still haven't done my air conditioning a year later. It, it still works. It just, when it's on, I sound like a tractor. <laughs> if anyone would like to hear it later, come over to Sainsbury's where I park on a Sunday. And for a pound, I'll put it on and show you. <laughs> and you can listen to my aircon. It still works. This is a first world problem, guys. This is not really, the air conditioning still works. It's just a little bit noisy. And it's okay once I get above 30 mile an hour, you can't even hear it. Now I do want to get it done one day. Well, if I, I want to change my car one day, but I waited to change my car. I've never kept a car for so long. For one simple reason, I'm giving into the vision here. My heart is here. Now, some of you, you can do both, that's great. Please for you. I don't want to grieve over what I'm giving, but I struggle with that. I'm preparing this last week, and I was in the gym last Saturday. And a guy in front of me was exercising. He was a bit older than me. Well, that was my estimation. <laughs> and, and he had some headphones on, some boss. Is it boss or boast? I don't know how you say the name. Boss. Boast, boast. Thank you. <laughs> Some Bose headphones on, and I thought, they're cool. I thought, they look really nice, and they, he had similar hairstyle to me, and I thought, <laughs> it, it, it's good when the sweat comes down, because I could see it was going off the headphones, and I thought, my thought was, I'd like a pair of those. I thought, my, th my thought was, he's older than me, should I trip him up, and then I'll get them off him? <laughs> no, I thought, he's, he's older than me. I'd like some of those, they look okay, and I could listen to podcasts and stuff when I'm in the gym because I'm sick of the music that's in there uh, honestly <laughs> and th then I thought 
They'll be expensive. Boats are expensive. I'm, I'm not going to get them. They're expensive. If I go home and tell Anja I want a decent pair of headphones, she's going to say, what about the air conditioning on the car? <laughs> so I'm here last Sunday morning. And a guy comes up to me at the end of the service. I don't know whether he's in this service. He had a H&M bag. He brings me the H&M bag. He said, I've just got a gift for you. I was out yesterday. I think it was the day before. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to me, I should buy you this. I can't hear a thing. <laughs> I hope I'm not shouting. And he bought me that. I was like a child on Christmas morning. God heard my cry. Well, it wasn't even a cry. It wasn't even a prayer. It was just a thought. I, I, I've worn these every day. I've been to the gym this week three times. I've listened to three podcasts by Craig Rochelle, one preached by Stephen Furtick. I'm a new man. Actually, I listened to a podcast because it just came on at the end of the Craig Rochelle one, How to Be a Better Mother. <laughs> it just came on, so I thought, well, I'll listen to it anyway. An hour of How to Be a Better Mama, Mother. I feel good. <laughs> I feel more spiritual. I feel... I'm loving it. God knew enough of my desires to tell someone in this church... Go and buy that for Steve. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Just want to say to you yesterday, I was driving behind a Mercedes, and I thought, I'd like a car like that. <laughs> if, if, if any of you feel led. Oh, just had another thought as well. After this service, this is a strange thought. After this service, I'm going to... Uh, the Bedouin with my wife at a restaurant down Mill Road, and this is a strange thought that's just come to me. When you go to the Bedouin, you've got to take cash. It's probably going to cost about 50 quid, but I've just realized I've left my wallet at home and I need 50 quid. Oh, thanks, Josh. 50 pounds. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, thank you, Josh. That's enough for Angie and I to go out for lunch. I really appreciate that. Now, why, why was Josh so willing to give that? You know why. Because I gave it him before the service. <laughs> and I said to him, when I say this, can you jump up? The timing wasn't quite right, Josh, if we can get it right for the next service. 50, yeah, 50 quid. <laughs> now, here's my point. Did Josh grieve giving this to me? Of course he didn't. Because it wasn't his. Sometimes we grieve because we think that was our money that we just gave away. And it's not. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If you've got the ability to produce wealth, God gave you that ability to produce wealth. Get your sticky little fingers off it. It does not belong to you. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're the creator? Oh, oh don't go off on one, Steve. Calm down. No, no. God gives us all things. So my next point is simply this, and with this I'll close. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Give and it shall be given to you. And then when you've given, don't be looking over your shoulder thinking what's going to happen. You just gave. Be thankful that you even had that money to give. 
develop a grateful heart. One last story. What happens here in, in the book of Deuteronomy is God says to them, remember where you came from. Remember you were once slaves. You didn't have anything to give. You too were poor and needy. And now look at you, how you prosper and you bless. Remember where you've come from. And I was sitting at home again, just preparing some of this. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me a lot on this. And I was watching the news. And I was watching the launch of the Sir David Attenborough. Anybody see that? Boaty Boatface, as there was the original suggestion. And it was being launched from Birkenhead. That's the area I'm from. In fact, my nephew, my nephew by marriage, has worked on that ship, the, D- the David Attenborough. So David Attenborough. And then they had Kate, um, Duchess of Cambridge, breaking the bottle, as it were, mechanically on the side of the boat. And I, and I just had this thought. I thought, hey, my wife's met her here in Cambridge. And then I, then I thought, oh, my wife's met her, so she's in Birkenhead, or Birkenhead. That's where I was born. I was born in Woodchurch Estate, Home Farm Road. There's a little plaque outside saying Steve Campbell was born here. And then I went on a memory lane trip. I thought, well, that's because my great-great-grandfather moved from Glasgow for shipbuilding. And then my granddad ended up in shipbuilding, but it was an awful time around the wars. He had some issues, and my dad always talks about how he always talks about, always used to talk about the alcohol problems that my granddad had and how that put him off alcohol and him and my mum, my, my nan, started to go to a church, Rock Ferry Baptist, which is now derelict. And my dad gave his life to Christ at the age of 14, signed a pledge to never drink, raised me in the ways of God to be a lover of Jesus. And I'm suddenly overwhelmed with this gratitude. Glasgow, Birkenhead, Cambridge, my wife's met royalty. We're here, and I'm thinking... God, I'm so grateful. Help me never forget where I've come from. I can say to you, all of us, never forget where you've come from. And not just geographically and naturally. If my mum and dad had not gone to church and met Jesus Christ, they were the means of introducing me to Jesus Christ. If my mum hadn't took us every week, showed me how to tell stories, because she was a storyteller, a preacher, I maybe would never have learned because I wasn't in that context and this is what I do. Because God ordered my steps and yours too. You are not here by accident. Are you grateful? Then the grateful worship. If you're online, we're going to hand you over to your service pastor now.